we have a responsibility to represent Jesus. That's what we do. But to say to, to a church or a group of people that if somebody spends an eternity without Jesus, it's your fault, um, I'm not okay with that. All right? I, I don't see that in God's word. And I, I think that, oh, why don't I just say it? I think sometimes pastors can be guilty of using manipulation and guilt tactics and to, to get people to do things. It's just not okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. I'm your, one of your hosts, Katie, and we've got Pastor Dale here. Yep. Hey, welcome, everybody. So glad that you're tuning in. And uh, that's right. This is the Real Life Podcast, in case uh, you uh, found yourself and, and didn't know what you were listening to. We are trying to figure out how we follow Jesus in real life. That's what this uh, podcast is all about. So we want to talk about real issues. We want to talk about the complexities of our faith and and how it translates into this world that we live in that is crazy and confusing and complicated and so katie that's what we're trying to do today yep absolutely so today i know uh we're gonna kind of process out of last week so if uh you listened to last week you can always go back and, and watch it to catch up but uh, we talked about some discouraging data in regards to the church there uh uh, the amount of people that are leaving the church, the amount of, of churches that are closing down, mm-hmm. uh, the, just the discouragement of pastors themselves, and quite frankly, uh, Katie, your age group, yeah. all right, yep. uh, your your age group and younger, yep. well, not to, we don't want you to feel guilty. That's not the <laughs> yeah. point of this. No, but no guilt, but yeah. but the data shows that it's your age group and younger that's leaving the church the most. Right. And so I, I think that we've uh, we're. As a church, we have to admit that maybe we could do a better job at uh, reaching the next generation. Mm-hmm. I think we need to, need to do a better job across the board based on the data. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said last week, you know, facts are our friends. We shouldn't be uh, run away from the data. We, we should be embracing uh, the data and asking the Lord, how do we do this better? How do we represent you better in this world that's broken and hurting and they they need some hope. And I think the church should provide that. And and sometimes, uh, well, we have to admit, we haven't done a very good job. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get better. Yeah. Let's, get, let's dive into some solutions. Let's, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. <laughs> so today, <laughs> yes. we're going to talk about four mistakes Christians make representing Jesus to the world. Mm-hmm. And because we're we're called to do that. Uh, Jesus said, you're, you're, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. I mean, these are amazing statements that Jesus says about his followers. I mean, salt and light influences everything it touches. And so we got to ask ourselves, how are we influencing this world? What does that look like? And so, again, not to make this uh, negative, but we, we make some mistakes, I think, as, as Christians. And uh, today Absolutely. we want to walk through maybe some of these uh, mistakes yeah, yes. and, uh, you know, try to give examples of what we can do better and uh, maybe share some of our own personal journeys and stories with us. Sure. And I would I would venture to say there's more than four mistakes we as <laughs> followers of Jesus make, but we we <laughs> listed the four that probably are the maybe the broadest that a lot of people maybe can relate to. Sure. Sure. Um, should I get into number one? Well, let's do it. Let's, let's okay. bring them up. Okay. So the number one we have here is becoming defensive of other beliefs. What do you mean, Katie? Come on. Oh, wait. Yeah. We're not going to be defensive. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> <And line>. so, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Listen, 
<laughs> All right, uh, folks, many of you are, are listening to this and you are Christians, you're followers of Jesus. Maybe you're listening to this and, and, and you're not, which that really excites me mm-hmm. that you're listening to this. <laughs> but for those that claim a faith, listen, we, uh, we become defensive way too quick, way too often. Uh, we, if we're going to represent Jesus in this world, we do not want to take a defensive posture with people and their questions. We want to embrace questions. We want to invite questions. Um, we shouldn't be threatened by that. And if you're threatened by questions that people have about faith and about Jesus and about Christianity, about the Bible, then you just automatically go to a defensive posture. And what happens is when we embrace this defensive posture, we lose influence. You're no longer becoming salt and light. You've lost influence. And so we want to invite questions. And so, you know, Katie, I don't know. What what are some questions that you think your age group or this our, our world today maybe are some frequent questions that, you know, we need to be okay with and instantly stop being defensive at? Right. I think some of the, the two ones that first come to my mind are, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? I feel like I hear that one a lot. Yep. Um, and then the other one is, so if I don't believe, then I'm going to hell. Those are, I know those are big ones, but those are two big things even me personally have yeah. struggled with. Absolutely. Um, so I would say those are the first two that came to my mind. But also I love what you're saying about defensive mode because for me, even just in general, not, not even specifically talking faith-related, when somebody gets very defensive about some sort of a belief, it immediately makes me think you're not that solid in your belief yep. if you can be rocked with just a question. Right. So I love what you're saying about that. So, so I mean, let's, let's, let's just use that as your first question as an example. Yeah. So. I know some of you are are listening to this and you're going, okay, uh, you tell me not to be defensive, but show me what that looks like. And so somebody comes and your first question had to do with, rephrase it again, if you want. Uh, Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or... Some some sort of framing of that right. question. And sometimes if somebody asks you that question, a coworker, uh, a family member, uh, uh, somebody that, that is just... They're asking that question because they, they've probably had their own pain. Mm-hmm. And so instead of getting defensive, like you're trying to defend God. Oh, by the way, listen, you don't have to defend God. He can handle it himself. Mm-hmm. So, so you got to have to remove that mentality from you. But when somebody asks you a hard question like that, why don't you just admit that it's a hard question? Say, Katie, wow, that is a really good question. You know, there's been times in my life, in, in, in my own journey with God, where, you know what, I've asked the very same question because life is really hard and it's really difficult. So just by acknowledging that somebody has a really good question, all of a sudden now we can have a dialogue. Now we can have a discussion. Now we can maybe explore how how tough of a question that really is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as a, as a Christian, as a faith person, come on, are you telling me you've never asked that question yourself? Yeah. Can't we ask the same questions that unchurched people are asking? Mm-hmm. I mean, we look in the Bible, didn't, didn't some of the Bible characters ask that question? Didn't Job ask that question? Hey, God, uh, I did everything right, and now I've lost everything. What's going on? David asked those questions. Elijah asked those questions. And some of you, I know I'm dropping names that some of you don't know. These are Bible <laughs> characters. And, mm-hmm. and they asked tough questions about God too. So I think we need to invite hard questions, not be rocked. Uh, our, our world can't be rocked. Uh, and here's another thing. It's okay not, for us not to have all the answers. It's just okay. 
to, to look at somebody. Because isn't this, this is authenticity. When somebody asks you a very, very hard question about God or about life, and then you say, you know what, that that is such a good question. I've struggled with that too. And you know what, at this moment, I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I mean, so as somebody asking the question, Katie, I think we're afraid to do that. But what does that say to you? If you're asking that kind of question and I look at you and I go, Katie, that's such a good question, but I don't know if I can give you a great answer today. Uh, more trust okay. is so, built. Okay. So I, I want our audience to hear that. Mm-hmm. You're not losing trust by saying you don't know. You're gaining trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I, I think sometimes people, I mean, haven't you been on the receiving end of some cheesy answer from a Christian? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So it's better to say nothing than give some Everything cheesy answer. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, we're going to get to all that one. All works together for God's good. Or I, yep. I'm going to butch the verse, but it all mm-hmm. works together for God's good or, or something. You know exactly what we're saying. I know. I know what you're talking about because we're we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna get into talking about the, the what you just uh, were dropping, which what I call Christian cliches. So <laughs> that will be uh, in the next question. So let's move on to the next okay. question. All right. So let's let's first let's just stop being so defensive. Just relax, okay? Christian follower of Jesus out there, I love you, but you got to relax. Yeah. Because people can sense that defensiveness, and and we see we, we see enough of the defensive Christians on social media, and it's not helping. Right. So what you're saying is let go of that fear of other beliefs. Well, I, essentially, I, absolutely. It's, yes. People have have other belief systems out there. In unless you can have a conversation, unless you can have a conversation, they're not going to change. You're not going to change. Nothing mm-hmm. good happens. There's no influence. So right. relax. Right. Just relax. All right. Let's go on to the, the next thing here. Next reason. Number two. Mistake. Mistake. <laughs> yes. Being unprepared to give an answer. Now, what does that mean? Now, I take that right from the Bible. So 1 Peter 3.15, this is something that the, God's Word asks us to do. And I'm just going to read it. 1 Peter 3.15 and 16 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Now, here's the part I want you to get. And if somebody asks about your hope as a believer... Well, they look at you and they go, what's up? Why are you different? Why do you go to church? Why this? I mean, why questions are the best, okay? <laughs> Always be ready to explain it. Always be ready. So in other words, be prepared. But it says do this in a gentle and respectful way. That's in the Bible. That's in wow. the Bible. Wow. Isn't that great? <laughs> so uh, just a quick little story. When I was uh, a senior in high school, my, my youth pastor he was taking a, a, a group of us through some uh, training on how to share our faith. And, you know, back in the day, I, um, you know, I was, I was kind of had an intense personality. and was what? competitive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Big surprise. And so I wanted to have my answers down, but I was argumentative. I mean, I admit it. I was, I was argumentative. I wanted to argue people into the kingdom of God. I figured if I could beat you with an argument, then you would automatically see the error of your ways, and you would say yes. And anyway, my youth pastor, who had much more wisdom than a 17-year-old, he would constantly remind me, Dale, with gentleness, with respect, with gentleness and respect. And boy, this day and age, church, we, we have to learn how to do this. Mm. We have to learn how to do this. We have to embrace some gentleness and respect for people that are, again, very, very different. In fact, I want to ask you that question. Can you respect people who believe radically different than you? And if the answer is no, why? You're commanded to. 
You're commanded to, to be gentle with people as you represent Jesus. Mm. I would ask this, something just came to my mind. So when we have a mindset, and this is how I, this is um, part of the church I was raised in. It was very evangelical, go out, and it's our job to save souls essentially yep. from hell. Yeah. So I think sometimes us as like followers, if that's what you've been immersed in, you're like, oh my gosh, like if I don't do this, this person's gonna not be saved. Or it's, you know, what would you say to that upbringing, to that mindset of like, no, it's intense. So like we do have to like, like people are, you know, their souls are at stake. What yeah. would you, what would you say to that? Um, well, um, I was raised in a similar environment, and so I can relate to that. First of all, I, I think it's important for us to, to understand that uh, someone's eternal destination is not going to be your fault. That's an individual thing. Do we have a responsibility to represent? We started this whole podcast with we're salt, we're light. We influence, we represent. We're, we're to be ready to give an answer. But someone's eternal destination is not my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. We have a responsibility to represent Jesus. That's what we do. But to say to, to a church or a group of people that if somebody spends an eternity without Jesus, it's your fault, um, I'm not okay with that, all right? I, I don't see that in God's Word, and I, I think that, oh, why don't I just say it? I think sometimes pastors can be guilty of using manipulation and guilt tactics and to, to get people to do things. It's just not okay. Around here, I always want to, I want to inspire people to follow Jesus. That's my heart. My, my motivation is to inspire you to follow Jesus, even if you listen to this podcast. I want to inspire people, inspire people. I, I want to remove guilt. Mm. I don't want to add to it. People have enough guilt. They have enough shame. So, so good grief. Let's not use it to motivate people to follow Jesus. That's, just, that, that's can I just say gross? Yeah. I would venture to say that it's not a sustainable lack of a better term, model Amen for to that. following Jesus as well because people don't stay out of fear. Or maybe they do, but there's not real transformation that happens. And I think, I agree with that. And I think then you always have this, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you always have this, this perspective that I can't ever measure up. Yeah. I'm just never good enough. Mm -hmm. Because can you evangelize enough? Can you reach enough? I mean, it's, it's you're right, it's unsustainable. Right. You, you, you can't ever accomplish it. Right. But I can represent. Yeah. I can influence. I can be salt. I can be light. I can do that. Mm -hmm. And then someone's eternal destination, well, that is, that's their responsibility with Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stand up for Jesus and he's going to look at me and say, Dale, there's a lot of people in hell because of you today. It is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm also hearing that I think could be refreshing for people is if you are on your journey and you are, you know, following Jesus and you are um, actively letting him fill you up and you're actively growing yourself, that's contagious to people too. It's almost like this might be a terrible analogy, but you know, the CrossFit people that love CrossFit, they're excited about it. And you might not even necessarily be like an active right. CrossFit person, but you're like, I love their like, they're excited about what they're doing. Like, yeah. I kind of want to be a part of it. I want to see what's going on. It's, right. I mean, I know it's a terrible example, but no, it's no, similar. No. It's, it's when contagious. Somebody, yep. When somebody's totally excited about, about what they're doing, mm -hmm. Katie, I just got to ask, are you CrossFit? Do you CrossFit? No, I, I would love to get into it. Okay. But yeah. okay, okay a runner. I, I'm part of the runners club. Right. I yeah. just had to check because yeah. we had, a, if you're CrossFitting, that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. But, it uh, is cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
You know, I, I think that you bring up a point about one of the greatest things that we can share. When the Bible says be ready to give an answer, I think one of the best things that you can share is your personal story, your experiences. It's just like, you know, why are you so excited about CrossFit or running or whatever you do? It's because it works for you. Mm-hmm. So there's there's nothing wrong. In fact, this is the powerful part of influence is that people can argue with your arguments. They can argue with your data. They can argue with your conclusions. But very few people will argue with your personal experiences. That's what the, Jesus says. You'll be my witnesses. That's a great point. You're, you're witnessing your personal experience. This is what Jesus has done in my life. This is what Jesus has done with my anxiety. This is what Jesus has done with my guilt. This is what Jesus has done in my marriage. This is what Jesus does in my relationships. This is how Jesus gives me purpose. This is how Jesus gives me hope. Okay, wow. Yeah. So, so when, you, uh, when you can share personal experiences, somebody still may disagree with you. But again, it's not in a defensive posture. Mm-hmm. It's more of storytelling. Here, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my experiences. And, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And we're living in a day and age where I see people's personal experiences, they're almost viewed as authoritative today. Mm-hmm. So in a way, this actually helps us in sharing the gospel because that's kind of what Jesus asked us to do anyway, was share your experience. Yeah. Share, share what's going on in your life. How, well, how did Jesus change something in your life? Mm-hmm. And I also think on the flip side, it brings up a great point that we don't want to, um, excuse me, we don't want to um, also flip that for other people. So when they're sharing their experiences about church, oh, great point. Um, great you know, point. we want to show them the same. We can't argue their experiences right. as well. They had that experience in church. Oh, like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That is yeah. not what it's supposed to be like. Perfect. You know, so. See, see we got to go back to the side. first thing we talked about. Don't be defensive. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's great for you, but I had a terrible experience in church and I had this happen to me and this. And then, you know, sometimes Christians go, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. Oh, hey, don't. First of all, don't ever say that to somebody. Yeah. You shouldn't feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we should just remove that. If, if people are feeling something, connect, acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, that's going to give us more influence. So, again, share your story. And, you know, and the Bible does say, you know, be prepared. So it's not a... It's not a bad thing to prepare yourself for other types of conversations that are going to come up. Mm-hmm. People are going to ask you questions about, well, you know, the Bible is all filled with errors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the Bible, you know, you, you can't trust the Bible because, you know, it's not a historic, it's not an accurate historical document. Well, you, you know, archaeology has proven that the Bible is just not true. You know, hey, well, hey, those are all great questions. Great questions. Can you talk intelligently about that? You know, sometimes Christians are, um, okay, if you're listening to this, don't take offense. I don't mean it. But sometimes we come across as anti-intellectual. That's a great point. So we need to be careful. We need to be able to talk intelligently about some of these things. You Mm -hmm. can do your own research. You can find answers. They may not agree with your answers, but they at least go, wow, okay, you've thought through this a little bit more than... You know, all oh, these Christians, it's just blind faith. Mm-hmm. Well, let's show them that it's also based on some facts. Mm-hmm. There's history, there's geology, there's archaeology, there's data, there's, there are some things. But at the end of the day, you're never going to argue someone into the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, it's a be, great point. So, let's not be unprepared. Oh, 
I want to go back to the cliches, okay? Stop using Christian cliches. Oh, my goodness, okay? What you, are the ones that come to your mind? Well, you brought first? up some, okay? Yeah. I mean, somebody's going through a really hard time, okay? A coworker, a family member, and you, you know, you, somebody, some well-intending Christian walks up to them and says... Everything happens for a reason. Oh. It all works together for good. Yep, that makes me feel better, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a cliche. No. Now, some of you are saying, it's not a cliche, it's in the Bible. And uh, When you drop scripture verses on people without context and without connecting to their heart and to their emotions, they are simply a cliche that does more damage than good and creates more barriers than builds bridges. Yeah. And, and we just we must stop doing this. Yeah, social media is filled with just Christian cliches. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to drop my Jesus bomb out on social media, and that's going to make a difference in someone's life. And it's like, oh, folks, we can do better. Yep, we can do better. Let's not let's not be so unloving. See, it's all right. This is real life, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to know me after a while. I'm going to say some controversial things that just might pe- make people upset. I'm not trying to make you upset. But here it is. Christian cliches, is a, it's a coward's approach to influence. Mm. It's a coward's approach. Why do you say it? D- dig that in a little bit. Why is it? Why is Are it, you sure? Yeah, why is, it, <laughs> why is it cowardly? It's cowardly because instead of having a real conversation with somebody who is in the midst of a very complex issue, we take some safe, unthoughtful approach and we drop a Jesus bomb on them, Mm -hmm. instead of leaning into the complexity of their life, the real life, their real pain, their heartache, that I might not even have a good answer for, but what I can do is love them in the midst of that pain and and let give them the love of Jesus. I might not have an answer, but I can love them like Jesus did. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. And 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 that's that's being salt. That be that's being light. Let's stop trying to be Bible answer people for people for, for one another or for the world. Yep. They want to know if we care. Yep. They want to know if we if we're going to act like Jesus. Yep. Absolutely. I that goes perfectly. One of my favorite quotes. It's not in the Bible, but it's very true. It's nobody cares what you think unless they think you care first. So if you can adapt that mindset, um, you're going to have a lot more influence. Amen to that. Yeah. And that's that's that verse may not be in the Bible. That that truth uh, stated like that. You look at Jesus' life, they followed him because they knew he loved them. Mm-hmm. So he lived that. He modeled that. Okay. Yep. We're going to keep going. Yeah. We might be longer than 30 minutes today, folks. So hang on with us. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, mistake number three, too much binary thinking, um, as in there's only two ways to look at these issues black and white thinking yeah okay so you know binary thinking some of you might not be familiar with that term some of you are very familiar with that term but it's just christians sometimes are guilty with this everything's a a binary conversation it's there's only two ways to look at this there's right and they're wrong and and it's just so polarizing it's so polarizing for crying out loud we've got to stop this and some of you i know well the bible says it's right and wrong i'm not denying that okay there are some things that the Bible is really clear. These things are right. These things are wrong. But the Bible gives us principles and values to apply to all the different situations of life. It does not address every single minute life situation. It gives us principles to apply. So let's just embrace the fact that life is complex. It's messy. And when people are sharing with us and we're representing Jesus in the world, when we don't embrace the complexity of life like this, the the world thinks we're nuts. 
Mm. Okay, because they know it's crazy complicated and it's not a one sentence answer. So we should probably come up with an example of that. Yes. So people know what we're talking about. Yes. Um, well, how how deep of a <laughs> topic do you want? Here? This is real life. So okay, let's just go for it. Let's yeah. just talk about. Uh, I'll I'll talk about about stuff that comes up a, a, as a pastor. Yeah. You know, and so let's say somebody shares with you that. Uh, well, okay, you know, hey, you know, I'll be told somebody that comes to you and they're transparent with their their personal struggle. Maybe they're they're maybe they go to church, maybe they don't, but they're struggling and they and they they confess to you that they're struggling with same sex attraction. Yeah, which was the number one reason. If you uh-huh. listened last week, that was one of the number one I, reasons people stay away. I so. paused because yeah. I was wondering what buttons I pushed yeah. out there. Okay. And so often Ooh. Christians respond instantly with a binary approach. And they, well, you know that's wrong, don't you? Oh, you know that's a sin, don't you? See, and we just instantly go there. Here you have a person in front of you that is hurting. That yeah. I mean, there's a host of emotions that they're going through, and feelings and struggles. And instead of stepping into their world and having a conversation, stepping in, say, "Hey, man, that's, okay, that's got to be that's got to be tough." What's going on? Talk to me. Talk about the struggle. Talk. So now we have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Now you're a friend. Now you can represent the love of Jesus instead of just being so black and white where the person is going to, one, shut down, you lose influence, and they probably go away feeling condemned. Mm-hmm. And now the situation is worse. And they feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we just, we, we have to, we have to stop doing this. Yeah. So... Someone once said, and I don't remember where I heard this, but it really stuck with me. It was, you will never look into the eyes of somebody that Jesus doesn't love. Oh, amen. Um, and so I think when we're dealing with those hard topics like that, maybe we don't have the all the answers. Because I'll tell you what, it feels extremely wrong for me to, to say one, like, for example, that sin is way worse than all these other sins that I personally have committed. You know, I mean, I know that, I don't know. That's another question. Do you think there's levels to sin? That could be a whole other podcast topic. But <laughs> but to me, I'm like, well, being gay and murdering someone to me are not on the same level mm-hmm. or, you know, beating your family behind. You go to church and then you go home and beat your family, whereas there might be this gay person that is just struggling. And yep. it's so hard for me. To, yep. That's a that's a topic I really struggle no. to because I've, I've um, you know, I've had conversations with really close people to me that are very black and white on this issue. Um, and not that they are unloving to, right. you know, but, right. but they don't have that, like, they have that very black and white Right, and I love mindset. how uh, Christians like to sometimes drop certain uh, emotionally charged words in relationship to certain sins. Okay, for example, uh, they'll say things like, well, you know, that's an abomination. Mm. Well, that's quite the word, right? An abomination. <laughs> wow! Um that that I mean that is a trump card right there, okay? And so um okay, so uh that's a big topic. Uh, we're going to have to maybe have a whole podcast yeah. just talking about that, but I would challenge yeah. people out there who say it is Pastor Dale and it's a terrible sin. I would challenge you to look at God's word and see how often he talks about pride. Just look at what God says about pride. Mm-hmm. And what it does to your life. 
In fact, you might even want to look at the how, what pride has done to humanity as a whole. And you might want to start in Genesis chapter 3 for those of you that know what I'm talking about because that's where everything went south. Pride. Pride. Just might be one of the worst sins out there hmm. that we're all guilty of. So just think about that as we... Now, how would you address, because, uh, well, obviously I've been around people that are, uh, that this is a very black and white issue. So this is the first thing that came to my mind is there's a distinct verse, um, verse that says, um, I want to say it's uh, homosexuals will not enter the gates of heaven. Do you know what I'm talking about? You really want to lean into this right now, don't you? I just, <laughs> I know. I, I'm like, we could have a whole other episode on it. But these are, I like to have answers to all these, these ones that have just never felt right for me personally, Great. but I, I can't deny it's in the Bible. Right. What does that mean? Okay, for, so let me put my, my, my pastor hat on and how to study your Bible hat on. Okay. Anybody can take any verse from the Bible out of context and, and use it. Uh, in, in, in a destructive way. The Bible says a lot of things. And so um, it is absolutely essential when we look at topics and let's say cultural topics, controversial topics, emotionally charged topics, we better be careful to not grab a verse that instantly makes us feel like it proves our point. Mm -hmm. We need to look at how scripture deals with an issue as a whole. Let's see what the Bible says about it as a whole. Let's see what it says from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. And then we get a much better understanding of God's perspective instead of grabbing isolated verses. And then we slam that verse down as our trump card to prove our point. And once again, we have a defensive posture and we put everybody else on the defensive and we've lost all influence. I'm not here to disagree with what God calls sin and not sin. The fact is, we said this here in, in like last week's podcast, we're, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the book says, okay? So you're, if you think you're a less sinner than somebody else out there, um, you just might want to check that and check your own pride because Jesus died for you too. And your sin was nailed to Jesus on the cross. I mean, okay, so I won't go into Colossians 2 and explain that. But listen, um, we, it's easy for us to have pride issues. And, and I think that, that we, we want to focus on the particular sin because it makes us feel self-righteous. Instead, we need to be walking humbly before God and one another. That's what I see we're called to do. And, and so if we want to talk about issues these cultural issues, we're going to have to look at the, the, the Bible in its entirety and not just drop one or two verses and then feel all self-righteous and walk away. Mm -hmm. That's not influence. That's not what we're called to do. And that's not what Jesus did either. So um, we want to talk about this issue and we want to have a, mm -hmm. a time where we talk about you know how the church should respond to you know the LGBTQ community and what that looks like. What does the Bible say? What's our response? How do we love them? How do we influence? Great. That's a great topic. It is. Yeah. Whole but, other. But we're going to be cracking yeah. the Bible going because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. we're going to do what this book says. Right. So. Yeah. That'd be a great one. Yeah. Making All right. lists here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last one. Number here we four. Go. Having a faith that is detached from the real world we live in. Okay. I know this is our last question and we're going to have to kind of uh, go through uh, this one kind of quick. Again, having a faith that's detached from the real world. I... I kind of have a soapbox on this one, and so I'm trying not to jump on it. So this is part of, it comes from my own personal experience. My wife and I, 
as we have watched our faith transfer to our children. Okay, so we've raised uh, two kids, uh, two daughters. Um, they are both in their 30s. They have their own families. Uh, they have their own kids, and they follow Jesus. So their faith transferred. Our faith that we had transferred to them. Now, we did not do everything right. We are not perfect parents. We are, we are flawed, and someday we'll have our kids in here, and, mm-hmm. and they can, and they can do say, that. They they'll can be share. on here. They'll yeah. be on here, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be future episodes. But we lived our faith out in front of them, and we, we made conscious decisions to do that. They, they got to see how we applied our faith in conflict, in stress, in money issues. They, they, we lived out our faith together. We, they were involved in this church. They were involved in its beginning. They were involved in ministry. We packed food boxes together. We delivered food to the needy together. We served together. We, our kids did everything with us. There was not, we never had a compartmentalized faith. They saw it, it was lived. And then we always had spiritual conversations. It wasn't like a devotions. We, we, did we read the Bible to them? Well, of course. But spiritual conversations was a normal part of our everyday life. We talked about God, following Him, serving Him. It was connected to everything we did. And so it just, it transferred. More is always caught than taught. Your kids have to catch your faith. They, so it's the same way with church. Same way with church. So Again, I, I know we kind of need to we need to kind of wrap this up, and I, I want to focus on a book really quick. There was a book that was written called Faith for Exiles, and the author uh, Kinnaman and Matlock. Okay, uh, they they wrote this book. They they talked to people in your age group and younger, uh, uh, Katie, who uh, some people came back to the church, uh, some people never left, but this age group that is leaving the church in droves, some of them came back and stayed and they did a survey with what are they connecting with what makes sense in their faith and there's three sentences here i want to read from their book they says this this generation i want to find a way to follow jesus that connects with the world i live in all right second one is god is more at work outside the church than inside and i want to be a part of that man this, this is exciting stuff I want. Here's the third one. I want to be a Christian without separating myself from the world around me. Mm. Now, I know that one pushes some buttons because some people say, we're not supposed to be like the world. So next week, here's a promo for next week. We're going to talk about how much like the world can a Christian really be. Is that fun or what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, P- pushing buttons. Because isn't that what people want to yeah. know? How much can I get away with? Right? <laughs> Let's just say it. Yeah. So that's next week. So, <laughs> folks, listen. These questions are awesome. The younger generation, they're asking the right questions. I read through that, and I get excited as a pastor because they want to know how their faith makes a difference in the world. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And so as, a, as the church, as we make a difference in this next generation, we cannot – here's the big mistake. We're doing an injustice to the next generation. It is our job to transfer our faith to the next generation. And so to do that, um, three things. Here's what we got to do. So we have to ask some questions. So if you're a church person, church leader, these are the questions you have to ask yourself. How are we helping the next generation connect with this broken world? How? How are you doing that? And and if you don't know, you, you need to start thinking, how are we helping them connect with this broken world? Not be like it. They want to make a difference in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the next question. How can we help them be a part of what God is doing outside the walls of our churches? 
See, we had to stop thinking that we're knocking it out of the park if they're sitting in a, in a chair on a Sunday morning. They want more. They want engagement. They, they, they want to make a difference. And so all they hear the church doing is inviting them to come to church. Mm-hmm. We're letting them down if that's, if that's our only message. Yeah. Here's the last, last question. How can we help them follow Jesus out into the world yet not looking just like it? And that's kind of what next week's about. Oh, I'm excited. That'd I'm excited. That'll be fun. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I think we dived into quite a bit and obviously these are, you know, shorter podcasts. So if you have something that uh, we said that sparked another question for you that we didn't answer, or maybe there is something that we got into that you want to know more of, send all your questions to real life podcast at foothillsonline.com. And also, um, if you loved it, like we know you did. I'm just kidding. Of course they do. Right. Uh, Give us a five-star rating and share. Help us get the word out so we can um, hopefully give other people some more tools in their toolbox. Absolutely. Or answer more questions for other people. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next week.